Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Has David Luiz done his I made a mistake, this is football, this is life interview? Because he will do that. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has Welcome back to the Front Knock Podcast, episode number 45, with Alexander Moneypenny and the Brexit Billich. <sighs> Come on, Brad, we got a laugh. That was an awful evening. Bradley Adams, Bradley. That was an awful evening. Yeah, that was... What a calamity. Oh, uh, it's just... I think it speaks to a couple of things that we've mentioned before and I've I literally just said to you before and now and I kind of just want to get it out of the way so we can delve into where things went wrong for us tactically or whatever. Um, but just the officiating in this country is terrible. There's a reason that I don't, I think, I think maybe it was Mark Cavendish or someone maybe that was the last English referee to go to like a major tournament and you just, it's like, <sighs> If a player... Isn't Mark if, Cavendish like a cyclist? Oh, not Mark Cavendish. Who's the fucking guy? Oh, I can see his face. Mark Is it Cavendish. Howard Webb? No, Mark... Mark... Referee. Mark... Mark... You're just Googling Mark the referee. Yeah. I've got a fat head. Mark Clattenburg, that was it. Mark Clattenburg. Fucking... That'll do. There, there was a C. There was a C. Uh, welcome to the Different Old Podcast. We've just lost yeah. uh, 2-1 to Wolves at Molyneux. Um, some questionable decisions <laughs> that have gone on this evening. I don't even think it's, qu- I don't even think it's questionable, mate. It's just, it's, if a player makes bad decisions on a football pitch and puts in poor f- performances, he is dropped from a team and it could ruin his career. We've seen it happen to people. Uh, same with a manager. A manager could lose his job and have a... St- you, you look at Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers had to go to Celtic to rehabilitate his reputation and then come back to a Premier League side. Do you want to know what the punishment is for a referee, Alex? What's the punishment for a referee, Brad? Being made to ref uh, a, a league lower for one game week. Really? Yeah. That's that's the normal punishment referees get when they put in atrocious performances is they have to go and ref in the championship for a week or two. Sounds quite nice. It's just fucking stupid, mate. I, I tweeted out like three times tonight, but mandatory f- fines from now on for referees who do not do not know how to do their job. Because if they knew how to do their job, the David Louise and I had a conversation with a mate of ours, Henry, on Twitter about it. It's not a red card. Like he doesn't challenge him. If anything, the contact is initi- like it's two players chasing back, right? The contact is initiated by William Jose's foot. Like, 
when when is the line of centre backs are now not allowed to chase down strikers? He's not put a leg in. If anything, he's pulled away and pulled back, and he's lifted his foot up. He's clipped it, and he's gone down like he's been, you know, like he's in um, a fucking game of war zone. For Christ's sake! Before I put on my big boy pants and respond to that. Uh, we've had a question in from the sports analyst, and he says, if you had Craig Pawson in the stocks, what would you like to throw at him? My own feces. Well, Mark Mills, who is at MagicMark180, has said, my son's nappies. <laughs> 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 Which I quite enjoy. Um, yeah. yeah, listen, mate, I, I, there's, there's a meta conversation to be had around refereeing in this country. I don't feel like I'm... <laughs> or don't they feel like we're the podcast to have that conversation what i will say is having watched that game probably not no there is a clear um confusion i mean even bt sport who's the guy who comes on at half time oh please don't please. i can't remember his name anyway the, the the old referee who's clearly looking out for his mates it clearly says in the rule book hang on i will get up the rules because i saved the picture so the rules were changed. It says the previous triple punishment rule meant that a player who was denied a goal-scoring opportunity was automatically red-carded and handed, handed a suspension as well as giving away a penalty. However, the law has now changed so that players committing accidental fouls that deny goal-scoring opportunity are not automatically sent off but cautioned instead. So that is the rule, okay? You cannot even... I, I, would, I would go so far as saying David Luiz didn't even foul him. Because, I mean, Arteta's saying he didn't even see the contact. I, I'm struggling to see the contact. There is a go- little bit of contact. It's tiny because I you can see... I struggle to see it. But the, but- if you watch it, you can see... Because the thing, not, the thing not, um, not to look for is the contact, but to look at the bodily reaction of the player. So it, there is contact enough to make David Luiz lose his footing and trip. And there is also contact that if you watch like the gif of it slowed down that makes the skin and makes his like the muscle on his leg slightly ripple. You can see the effect that there is a clear, slight impact. When I'm not denying that. But the com- the thing that I was saying to you in the conversation that I think this has to be is where is the line of what a play like David Luiz has done what any, and I'm seeing people give him stick and it's fucking stupid. David Luiz has done what any centre-back should do and it's chase back. He's then realised he's not going to get in front of him. So he's slowed down. He's pulled away. He's not going in for a challenge. He's not doing anything. William Jose is con- continues to run towards Leno, lifts his foot up, it clips David Luiz's knee and they both go down. Yeah. Where's the challenge? Yeah, I, I think. Where's the fact? And um, it was it was Adrian Clark who who made a very good point that I retweeted that I'd just like to read verbatim so as to not misquote, but it is a genuine question. What is the difference between an accidental handball being waved away and an accidental knee clip being given as a penalty in a straight red card? where do we draw the line at these things? Because he has not, he's categorically not made a challenge. And another silly thing within the rules is, is if he, if he had slid in and given away the penalty, it's also a yellow card. Yeah. Well, it's, it would be, he would have been better to, to slide in. I I think that it's, this is, and this is a point, this is a bridging point. It's a very difficult thing to be a referee, right? It's and when I'm not going to sit here and dig out a ref, uh, you know a professional referee, 
I don't know how hard it is. It must be incredibly hard to do that job. But the point is now we have millions of camera angles and we have to update the rules. And we have a a setup where something will be played over and over again. And it will just damage the reputation of the FA and, and, and referees. And I think the reputation of referees has massively gone down, uh, I, I, I think. But I think they make their own jobs difficult. Clearly being seen by the kind of the, the decisions being made around who goes to the, you know, the World Cups and the, and the Euros. So the English refereeing uh, star has gone down. What we can do is we can look back at these decisions and go, okay, David Luiz is clearly, you know, clearly this referee, Craig Pawson, who also, by the way, didn't give the uh, the Mane incident on Tierney. Um, yeah. Inter- interesting. Literally drops the people el- people's elbow onto Tierney's yeah. face and got a yellow. So this referee, Craig, Craig right. Pawson, has made the wrong decision. That happens. But what then happens is you look back and you go, okay, and I know Arsenal are appealing the red card, but I think, t- uh, so, so to not look foolish... The the referee, uh, the referees, um, I don't know what they're called, the referee, you know, the FA, but certainly the referees, I don't know, union, whatever it's called, will not come out and say, yeah, that was a that was a mistake. That was, you know, we, we I, I highly doubt we're going to see, you know, Craig Pawson made a, made a, an error. That's going to happen. We'll rescind. But the problem is the damage is done. And if you're sat there in the VAR booth and you can see that that's not it, it's obviously not a red card. It's not dangerous. It's not it's barely even a foul. And I don't think these things are kind of all subjective and all we're biased Arsenal fans. I think this is something, you know, it's it's something that is clearly an error, a clear a clear error. And I think you know, retrospective action and going, okay, listen, yeah, it's it's it was a mistake by us. We hold our hands up, you know, we'll try and be better on this, but we won't see that. But they don't. This is the issue, Alex. Great Boston will be refereeing next week. I've no, but it's not even that. I've been tweeting for the last three game weeks at how poor referees are becoming at, and I do I. I think that there is a massive conversation and this will be my last kind of words on it to be had around. I think part of it is to do with the introduction of VAR. Referees are now so scared to make a decision that will get overturned that they genuinely just aren't making decisions anymore. They aren't they aren't giving these these cynical fouls that are happening unless they are so obvious it slaps them in the face. And they, at any other industry, if I did not know what I was, if I was a doctor and I didn't know what I was doing for my job, I just wasn't keeping up to date with the latest medicines or the latest or whatever. And I went in and I fucking killed somebody because of that. Like, and I'm obviously it's not that serious, but obviously if we're talking about a doctor, that's the one thing that you think of that would come to mind, but it, it's misconduct, it's laziness. And the fact that I understand that obviously being a being a professional referee is probably a difficult job. I'm not denying this. It is. <laughs> but but it becomes a difficult job when you stop using the tools that you have to allow you to do your job at all. He didn't go over and check the pitch side monitor. And th- again, th- I think there's a conversation about VAR and about certain things, but referees, if it's a red card, if it's a penalty, if it is a game-changing moment, the referee on the pitch, it should be mandatory that they go over. Because at the end of the day, look, it happens quickly. Craig Pawson, whether he knows the rules or not, has might think that Louise has brought him down. Fine. But he should be made to go and watch it again. Because that in, we, we dominated them for the entirety of the first half. We should have been 3-0 up within 25 minutes and out of sight. 
but we weren't. And this game has been utterly ruined and changed by the actions of the referee. And in those moments, it should be mandatory for a referee to go over and review that decision because the entire landscape of the game changed. But surely if you're a ref, you you think, oh, I kind of want to have a look at that. It's not, you know, and I get, I guess... No, because they don't want to look like idiots. They're so, st- they're so the, arrogant this is the and they're so scared of exactly. being like, oh, I got it wrong. Exactly. That exactly. They don't want to rescind any of exactly. these decisions. Exactly. They're, this is the problem. Referees want to seem all powerful. You have the Mike Deans. They want to seem as though they're this all-seeing, oracle, omniscient thing. No, just accept help. Accept retro- retrospective action. I also don't buy, because some people will go, well, you know, it's the ref's decision. They make a mistake, but whatever. No. David Luiz goes off. We have to take Lacazette off. We lose all our attacking. Means Wolves comes onto us. Means that Wolves will shoot and Moutinho will score. Like, it, it, I'm sorry, these things have consequences. These these poor, poor decisions have consequences. Wolves were terrible today. Wolves didn't create anything when we had nine men on the pitch. Are you really telling me that if we don't get that first red card, we're ever in a situation where Leno acts like fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme or Bruce Lee flying through the air, karate chopping a ball? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, let's uh, try and do some analysis of the game. Um, I, I do want to, by the way, just before we get into the analysis of the game, um, just plug a little article from... Uh, cheeky, cheeky little article. Aaron Reed, which is titled, and I don't shit you, How Arsenal's, how Arteta's Arsenal have become defensively solid. <laughs> You couldn't write it. It's a really good article. It's really well written, and before this game, it, yeah. it looked it looked a lot more um, on on the pulse. But this is this is the thing. You know, it's a fantastic article. It's really well written. Please go, please go have a read. And Aaron's an absolute champ. He's 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 a really smart guy. I think he's going to go far. In, he's going to go far in journalism. But yeah, it's it. Listen, it just goes to show how quickly things change in football and how quickly perceptions change. And also, this is you know, it almost makes these small decisions all the bigger it makes them all all the more important that they are mm. ironed out because these small things you know this say for example these three drop points means arsenal don't make europe we're talking millions and millions and tens of millions it, of pounds here. exactly it's the same these as the silly old the, lol sorry mistakes it's, it's not the that. same as the non-goal given that relegated bournemouth and kept villa in the league or the, like it's not it's, it is a regular occurrence. This isn't an outlier of a situation. At the end of the day, no one is ever 100% perfect. There will be mistakes in jobs. And there will be mistakes, even in the kind of what you would believe is a foolproof system in being able to review every major decision made, it would still never be perfect because it's human error. There is always going to be human error. But the issue is, is there is so much of it. Aston Villa are in the Premier League because of a bad decision. That has cost Bournemouth hundreds of millions of pounds to the point where they've just had to loan out um, with an option to buy, I think, or it might be an obligation to buy Josh King to Everton, their star striker. You know, they, they sold players during the summer. Ryan Fraser left. Uh, though he went on a free, like this has massive ramifications in the long kind of in the meta conversation yeah. of you Football. know <laughs> if you think about um the Aguero that that league was won sorry one more time on <laughs> I'm not doing it again <laughs> uh, it's it's nine o'clock at night mate uh, <laughs> if you think about that that year the it was one on goal difference. 
And it was won because City beat United, I think 6-1 in the derby that year or something stupid like that. And they won it on goal difference. Let's say this this happened in one game in that season that United lost to United. Let's say it happened in that 6-1 to City. They've lost the title, which comes with hundreds of millions of pounds worth of revenue. Yeah, just because someone doesn't want to look at a monitor. Yeah, it's like it's pathetic. Do it. Just do it. Anyway, let's move on from that. I can't. I I don't want to say. Yeah, Craig there's no Corson's fucking point. Again. There's I no can't point. Be bothered. Um. Okay. Let's have a look at the game then. So I thought we started off. I actually tweeted out before the game. Um. I think we'll come out the blocks very quickly. Um. I think Wolves. You know, they're kind of there for the taking. They're down in fourteenth, or they were. Don't know where they are now. Um, and they, you know, they're they're low on confidence. They're low on form. They're like, I think they were in the last six games. They picked up two points, which is the worst in the in the form league. Um, they were, you know, really there for the taking. And I thought probably Arteta wants to get, you know, some early goals, come out, get it done, get party and Saka off, and and you know, head to the showers. And and it sort of looked like that was the way it was going. We had, I think, I think the first thing I really want to come to is a kind of talking point in the game is just party, man, like. Oh, he was running the show. He was absolutely running the show. He 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 was given so much space by Wolves, um, and you know he he was playing those lovely balls. There was the I mean the, the ball which was within the first minute over to Saka, which Saka hits the post with. Um, he's getting a bit of bit of joy there, but I think it's difficult because do you press him because he's so press resistant? Do you give him space and time because he he offers you so much kind of passing wise and this is the thing when you get when you buy good players that's what they offer you yeah and that means other players are freed up well i think again it speaks to the whole conversation we had about united in the last episode that united are a team full of individual talent with not the best coaching meaning that they will still look good and perform well at points even though they haven't got a coach who seems to have the tactical minerals or in game kind of nous to change things but Arsenal are the opposite we've got probably four good players and then very good coaching so it it just shows that when you do drop an absolute gem into a squad with good coaching you you see the results instantly you know I'm thinking of was it the Southampton game where he wriggles out of like four men or three men just like unbelievably easy but then also dinks the ball over and I think and, I think you've hit on a re- really important point there, mate. Like, this is a well-coached side. Let's be clear. You know, that we're stretching them so well. We're moving the ball intelligently. We knew they had a weakness on their left-hand side. We were trying to exploit that. I think it was, you know, Saka on Kilman. They were playing a high line. So we recognised that immediately and started dinking balls over the top. We're so adaptable. This is the thing. And this is why these kind of decisions become so much more frustrating when we're in a good moment. Because you, we're looking. I'm looking at this team, and I'm going. Party can sit. Party can progress. Smith Rowe can, you know, come out and create the overloads either side, or he can sit in the middle and and and, and actually defensively, he's got brilliant radar as well. Saka is an absolute star, and and this is a team that is showing so much more connectivity and so much, you know, the, the triangles are appearing again, and Pepe's regaining some form because he's playing and he he's you know out on that left hand side, he's a bit a bit less predictable and. Whatever they're doing in in training, I think just simplifying his game and 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 allowing him to you know taking the pressure off Pepe a little bit by you know thinking go on then cut in on your left and and, and smash it top bins isn't isn't the point anymore. This is a very well coached side, and I think 
games like this don't change that. Of course. You know, I, I don't think, think we are... lost this game because of the personnel or the system. We lost this game, like we've said, what, for the first 10 minutes of this episode because of the decisions made within this game. This is what I mean by this feels even worse because it, it's not like the City game where Louise got sent off and gave away a penalty. Again, it's the same rule. I don't know what, when this new when the rule was changed. I don't know if it was just for this season, but whatever. Um, where we where we felt like we should have lost that game. So we go, okay, well, maybe we lost it a bit more convincingly than we should have, but we were we should have lost. Whereas this, we've dominated for 46, 47 minutes, and then we have switched off. We think the full-time whistle is going to go. We've got a goal kick and we've just lumped it up. Everyone has switched off. They've got in behind and they've got this ridiculous decision go for them. And then it, you know, it just takes, we were, we were sloppy coming out of the blocks for the second half and it took a, you know, a Jean Moutinho screamer and then they just decided to not create anything else. So it it doesn't feel like it. Fe- we should have won this game three, maybe even four nil. And Aaron tweeted that in a, in an alternate universe, Arsenal have won this game three nil, and there's been no red cards given. You know, and that's genuinely what it feels like. You know, the Saka offside again. I think there is a conversation to be had about the offside rule changing because when you are drawing minimal lines to find a toe offside for things like the Sadio Mane goal from a couple of maybe like a month or two back or you're it's ridiculous and it becomes a game of it of can we catch you out and can we find any excuse not to give you a goal uh so that's what makes this a tougher pill to swallow is we were so good and none of these like stupid kung fu slices from leno or decisions by you know the twelfth less the twelfth wolves player are going to change how good we were. It's just it just makes it even worse because I just go we were so good and we did not deserve to lose this game. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens when you don't make it count. Yeah. What do exactly. you think of Cedric at left back? I th- I think he's performing very well. You know I think he's showing exactly why going forward for the rest of this season he should be our starting right back. You know, because if he can do it out on the left, he can easily do it out on the right once Tierney's back. Because I don't think he's been good enough to keep Tierney out of the side, but I think he's been good enough to keep Bellerin out of the side. I, I, I was watching him today and I really like him. Like, I, and, and I know it's unconventional to have a right-footed left-back. And, and and again, I actually, I think there's probably better backup left-back options. But Cedric has really, really grown on me. And I think he's he's really smart He's always available. He's always got some kind of uh, sort of he's 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 very quick out of the blocks. It's something I've noticed. If he he sniffs out danger very very quickly, and it's something that Hector just on the other side, and I think you know, kind of pitting them up against each other, just doesn't. For me, one of his many limitations actually, it, it's just that that slight reticence to to come out, slight reticence. You know, just that half a second where you go, he doesn't quite know what he wants to do here. Um, and I think Cedric is is maybe he's just that bit older where he just goes, you know what, this is I'm, I've made a decision, I also, and it may not be the right one every time, but but I do like him. I also think that it is to do with mentality. I think there is an issue to a degree with Bellerin's mentality, in that we can talk about his hips or his you know inability to play a pass, but 
Cedric is a man who's come here to try and get back in the Portuguese national team. Bellerin is a man who's been in the first team for, what, four, five, six years now of a top eight, mainly top six Premier League team. And I just, it just, it doesn't, and I mean this in the sense that it just, like, it doesn't look like, I just don't think he gives a shit because I don't think he's trying to prove anything. Whereas I think Cedric is, which makes him try more. You know, Bellerin's never going to be in the Spanish national setup, uh, like as a regular occurrence. You're looking at them still having Carvajal, Odriozola, and they are the two players that you would be looking to dislodge because if they're going to be giving a younger player that second option, they're not going to pick somebody who's 24-25. So... I just don't think he, it, I, and I don't, I, to be fair, I think cares is the wrong word. I just, I don't think he thinks he's got anything left to prove. And yes, I think that's that really astute. Yep. has just made him lazy, you know, because his attacking positioning is decent. He's got like, he's an intelligent bloke who knows how to move into spaces, but he just cannot kick a football. Like he can't control that. Like there are several instances, if you watch this game back, he can't control a ball. He can't tap a, like just literally play a normal ball upwards all of the time. Just down it's the line. down the line or in and that's it. There's, there's two passes he does and he cannot cross a ball without taking nine years to do it. And by the time that he's done it, the chance is gone. And I'd even say that his down-the-line balls are very, very rare as well. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting just, just to watch, you know, our backup right-back on the left-hand side you know, doing doing step-overs and getting a goal, you know, a goal opportunity for Saka. You know, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just want to, I mean, yeah, Saka was, you know, amazing again, but we've, we've discussed He's that before. unbelievable. Interesting that I noted to you early on uh, via the, the WhatsApps. The uh, WhatsApps? The WhatsApps. Uh, that Pepe was... Um, Pepe was playing as that kind of second striker role. And again, I, I I do like that. And that goal, that's all Pepe. The press. It's all Pepe. The the taking it round players. Genuinely, I do think we found both Saka and Pepe's right positions now. I think that Pepe on the left is great because it allows him to float into that second striker role. Because if you look at our two main striking options in Aubameyang and Lacazette, they're both right footers. and. Uh, genuinely, I don't think you take Pepe out for Aubameyang. Not right now. And and, and actually, just as you're to the second half. And if you're going to play him, you have to play. And I I know this is probably, again, my Alba through the middle agenda. But I think that is now the one position you could realistically try and fit him into this team. Because Saka's got the right locked up. Pepe has been performing very well on the left. And ESR in the centre. So... If Alba wants to play, he has to prove that he can play through the middle or he just sits on the bench. And I don't care he's on 400 grand a week. I'd rather win football games with playing a functional Lacazette and then sell Aubameyang in January, in in the summer. Yeah. January's ended. It, it is now February. Yeah. <laughs> just saw Brad contemplate his own existence there. Uh, <laughs> January has ended. It is now another month. 
You're all right, mate. What the fuck? It- yeah. Do you know what? I just, I, I've got. I've got quite. For some reason, I just got a bad headache, and like, it's just. Yeah. It's just one his of name, them things. His name is David Louise, not headache. Um, the- I feel really. I I do feel really sorry for David Louise because it's a reputation red card. Yeah, it's, Tim it's, Stillman. Tim Stillman said that. Yeah, it's, Tim it's Stillman. Very true. It's, and you know, people are slating him for doing what Rob Holding has done, for, like chase down a, yeah. for doing what any normal defender would do. Just stick mm-hmm. your David Luiz agenda up your ass. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it, it, it's not a red card. You could, it's a soft penalty at most. Uh, yeah. At, at very most. Yeah. I, I, I think there is a conversation coming down the track for Arsenal fans around Aubameyang because if Pepe continues this form, Saka's got the right, as you said. Lacazette play, works well in that kind of slightly deeper centre-forward role. I don't know. I think Aubameyang's got his work cut out. And also, when he came Sell on and we, and, we, and we took off... Well, exactly. And this is the thing. People go, oh, we just give him a new, new, new contract. Yes, that literally means we can still sell him. doesn't mean we've given him a new contract and therefore we can't sell him for four years. I would sell him. Uh, and I, it sounds, yeah, a bit, sounds a bit mental, out on, out on a whim here, but he's... N- in the summer, I think the drop-off from his value last summer to this summer won't be near as much, anywhere near as much as the drop-off of his, of his value from this next summer to summer 2022. The summer after, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's the right time to sell because Aubameyang, when he came on, um, another Tim Stillman thing, he, uh, he he references like a film where everyone gets like a superpower and he talks about Aubameyang. He's like, Aubameyang hasn't really got that much, but he's got a bazooka. And I really agree with that. Like Aubameyang does have a bazooka, he has a superpower, which is which is picking up goal scoring positions and and finishing. But when you take off Pepe for Aubameyang, Pepe was offering us more, and I'm sorry to say it, but he was. He was sitting in that kind of second striker role. He was, you know, trying to beat players. He was running. He was really contributing defensively. Pepe really does contribute defensively. And uh, technically, Aubameyang just isn't on his level. There's a few layoffs that Pepe does that are so nice. And I just go, Aubameyang, whenever whenever he gets the ball, he looks sort of languid and, and even, slow. Even if you just have the conversation about the asset itself, Pepe is a better asset to try and keep... If he's performing well, you know, if he keeps this left wing... I, I, I would... Look, this season, like we've said many times, is a write-off. So what I would like to see happen is to keep Pepe on the left, keep Saka on the right, keep ESR or Odegaard just interchanging in that middle and then do the same with Aubameyang and Lacazette up top and allow Pepe to flourish on that left. And if he flourishes, brilliant. Either he gains value and we sell him for more, or we now have the left winger that we that we needed. And then if it comes to the summer and we've got, you know, Pepe locking down that left-hand position and Saka's locked down the right, you can just make the decision to cash out on both Aubameyang and Lacazette and bring in a world-class centre-forward and then just rotate Martinelli and this world-class centre-forward in that kind of CF role, because I I just don't think that, I think that, like you say, Pepe offers us so much more that if we just got a striker that was better at being a striker, 
we would be sort like it it would rev it would almost revolutionize this team. The fact that we have to play Abamyang out on the left at the moment is holding us back because it's holding us back from playing certain other players. For sure. And 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 I and I hate to say it, but Abamyang and people will, will hear Pepe offers us more and go, what the fuck? Watch the game. Not watch, everything is about goals watch, and assists. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's getting into those positions or getting 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 the ball from a position. Pepe can pick up the ball and watch his combination play from inside our own half. That is something Aubameyang does not offer us. And Pepe looks like he can finish. And I'm not convinced. I'm not going, this is the no. answer. But I'm going, let's try it, as you said. It, and it's, it's because... the same with the, with the Maitland-Nars conversation in that if we weren't going to get in left-back cover, I would have preferred to have just given him a, a run of games at right-back. Because you, we, we need to... This next summer is the summer to get five or six players in and make a, a, a run of things. Try and push for Champions League next season. Because there's not a lot of pieces missing. But as soon as you start waiting for the year after, Thomas Partey's two years older, um, you're starting to look at Pepe being kind of the 28, 29 mark, which isn't that bad for a winger. But No, but you're, what, then you're looking if you're at, say, Saka, where's he going? Where's his contract? Martin yeah. Lee, Gabriel might be moving All of on. these it's, things. It's another Next phase, season yeah. is the season to push for Champions League. I want us to run ourselves like a fucking, um, like an NBA team, for example. Like, I want us to be ruthless. And like, you, you look at, you know, the Washington Wizards, had a chance to sign Russell Westbrook. So they traded off John Wall, both point guards. John Wall had been at the Washington Wizards for 10 years. Mm, yeah, Michael Jordan. Mm. And, and I'm, I, you I don't know, know anything about NBA. Nothing, no, but as in like, you're talking about a man who is who is a very good player, who is a very good basketball player. Who mm, yeah, Scotty Pippen. gave mm. 10 years of service to a club who was traded away for someone better in an yeah, instant. Yeah. As yeah, soon yeah. as there with was you, any sniff that that player was available. This is exactly what we yeah, need yeah. to be doing. Dennis Rodman. Aubameyang yeah. isn't cu- cutting it through the middle. Pepe's doing very well on the left, is younger, offers us more. And if we keep him and get him playing well, we'll offer us more of a sellable asset. So get Aubameyang and Lacazette gone in the summer. And genuinely, mate, spend 90 mil on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I don't care. Just bring in somebody of of superior quality that can play that centre forward role that Martinelli can deputise for, and then let's push on. But the, if we don't do that, we'll just be doing what we've done for the last fifteen years and just resting on our laurels again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just want to run through the game quickly. I mean, it feels like a bit of a write-off, but it's important to talk about. The Saka is a very, it's a very good take for his goal. Um, very unfortunate that Lacazette was offside, but that's what VAR is for. And it works and he was offside and you hold your hands up and that's what it was. Um, I thought, and this is the thing, the, 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 the frustrating thing as well is like, I even felt that we, we gave them a little bit. It's almost like sometimes you have to give a little to get a little. And, I almost felt like we gave them a bit of space to to come out so we could attack them again. I thought we were so in control, kind of more in control than 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 uh, kind of met the eye. And, and, it, and it, okay, Wolves are out of form, but they're a top team with a lot of top technical players, and we were we were all over them. Uh, the Pepe goal happened. Uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> if you noticed that Pepe puts his head back like he's Forrest Gump when he runs. 
<laughs> it kills me. Uh, but tell you what else kills me, fucking David Luiz. And um, we talked about that, but that's fine. Um, and then the Matinho goal is just a great hit. And again, it's one of those things. If that if Luiz isn't out, we carry on. Matinho probably doesn't hit that shot. You know, it's just it's sliding doors. It's a, it's a different game, and yeah, it, and it but... just, it just became a it just became a running like. No system. We were playing off, you know, once Leno went off, which I don't even want to discuss the Leno yeah. thing. It was just stupid, stupid, calamitous. I pray, I you, I pray that Matt Ryan is fit for Villa. How did we spend one and a half million great British pounds on a man that offers us less than Hugh Wizzy in goal during a sidemen charity football match? <laughs> Didn't he put the ball out for a corner at one point? Yes. Yes, he did, Alex. Do you remember when I said Rudison's not that bad? Yeah, mate. Egg on your face. Good times. It's like when you said Arteta should be fired. Um, so <laughs> the... <laughs> Context is... But key. yeah, it be... <laughs> yeah in fact, that's a bit harsh. He, t- he said should be fired and other things, but anyway. Um, yeah, there was... A... <laughs> Brad is straight up. It's so up. hot in my room. It's so hot. I need to put a vest on, mate. Brad is straight oh. up, just got naked. I'm absolutely Brad. baking. There is so much chest hair, mate. mate. There was... <laughs> oh, Jesus, Brad, he's in his pants. What is going on? What are you mate, doing? I've lost it. I've lost the plot. I don't want to see it. Yeah, you do. Don't lie to yourself, mate. <laughs> anyway um yeah second half came i just thought you know it just became a fucking shit show we were playing a 4-4-0 with jacker and esr at center something um i thought there was a couple of moments where Bellerin could have picked out saka but you know to be honest it just the only thing i thought was thank you for finally putting a top one um the only thing i thought was you know I, it's a shame we haven't made all three subs and gone upon a point this out which i think is really funny because saka saka might be good in net you never know <laughs> Um, and in fairness Runison made some decent saves I'm not going to lie it was alright it was alright but it just turned into a running match I also enjoyed the shot of Louise peeking out the window that was funny Uh, yeah Brad's just laughing having put some clothes on now why do you just why do you just take your clothes off mid pod oh because like um, it's really really hot in this room and i was wearing i, I like i was wearing my <laughs> yeah, I bathrobe I was, I, was, I was waiting for a better story than that no uh, and i would open the window but um i right next to a main road so it'd give like loads of noise to the mic and everything so, so taking my slippers off as well because my feet are getting a bit warm jesus okay um i apologize for that i did it for david louis um yeah rest in pieces um fuck craig porson Indeed, and that's kind of the main message. Fuck Craig Porson. Uh, anything else on the game? Brad? Nah. It was an absolute meme. Okay. We'll be back after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Uh, we've had a question in from Sam Trotman, who is at Sam Trotters Hello, on Sam. Twitter. He says, how should the team approach the next few games, Villa, Leeds and City, consider- considering the humiliating defeat that has most certainly lowered the morale of most players on that pitch? Um, I think it's really important for Mikel Arteta to impress upon the team. Because what I'd- I think humiliating is the wrong word disappointing is the right one. I think it's really, it is really important for Arteta to impress upon this team that they, 
basically did nothing wrong up until kind of the 45th minute. We played brilliantly and just weren't getting... Football's a game of luck, mate. We saw it with the Cavani chance. If it's four inches to the right, it goes off the post and goes in. And we saw it with the Lacazette chance. If it clips just two inches lower off the bar, it it bobbles in. Like, it... Has David Luiz done his, I made a mistake, this is football, this is life interview? Oh, he I don't. will do that. I, yeah, he will do that. It'll be an Instagram post probably. But um, I, I just think it's important that the manager impresses upon the team that they did their jobs and that it is because of poor refereeing that this has happened and that it it's and that it's important now to kind of move on as quickly as possible and try to refocus because I don't want us to lose the next game because we've still got almost the, the disappointment hangover from the last one. I just want us to fo- to just sack this off now, hopefully get the red card for Luis rescinded, though I would prefer to see if, you know, Gabriel came in and did well. He did doing, uh, do well tonight, so I'd love to see him back in the lineup. Um, but I, th- I think it's imp- it's kind of about, it's now just refocusing. We just need to focus everything on the Villa game and getting to that and getting as best result as we can because Villa are another team who have been on a poor run of form. They've not been particularly brilliant in the last few games. So we've just got to try and take advantage of that because realistically, David Luiz doesn't have a massive impact on how we play. If we had Pablo Mari fit, he'd probably be playing anyway. And if we had Gabriel at full fitness, I think he'd be playing anyway. So the the real miss will be Leno, but hopefully Matt Ryan is fit and can step in and do a decent job. Or Hugh Wizzy. Or Hugh Wizzy. Just... If we do not quick sell this Icelandic donkey come the summer to like the third tier in... South Africa, Edu out. Okay. Um, hot take from Brad. Uh, that, was, that was a joke. Do you want some good news? I do. I really United do. Are four, United are four up at Southampton. Um, four up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I echo. I, I don't have much more to add. Um, I, I do want to have a little look back. On the transfer business we did, um, I got slated on Twitter for my opinions, Brad. Do you want to hear about it? I do. Give me a give me a, give me a rundown. Essentially, essentially, I put out a little thread saying, I think this is quite an underrated window, which um, which I think it is. We'll get into that in a second. But just before, I just want to, want to say this. And it's a, it's a comment on like football as a community and like what I, it's so bizarre. I essentially put a, put a tweet saying, you know, Mustafi, Ozil and Kalasanach were all mates. And whatever you think of, whatever you think of the Ozil situation, it's good that it's over and the negativity is out of the club. Now, there was a reading of my tweet, 100%, I admit, that was Mustafi, Ozil and Kalasanach were the negativity. I didn't say that. I clarified to this person who, who took umbrage to it that that wasn't what I was saying. And then they continued to defend Ozil. And I'm just like, okay, so you're you're not actually interested in what I said. You're interested in defending the Ozil. optics of someone of someone defending Ozil. Right, okay. And I do, it's, it is interesting. And like it, I think it does feed into it like a kind of a, 
a cultural discussion around football, but it's probably not the time for that. Um, but just as a springboard, and, and the reason I bring that thread up is I do think this was quite an underrated window. There's a there's obvious. What would you give it? What would you give it as a grade? Let's say what we'd give it as a grade, and then we'll see if we're on the same page. Okay, I'd give it a I'd give it an A minus. Okay, because I think all things considered, we got what we needed to do done. We we had a clear deficiency in our attacking midfield. We gave Smith Rowe a chance, and we brought in Erdegaard. We had a clear deficiency at goal in goalkeeper. We needed more more um, competition for Bernd Leno. We bring in Matt Ryan, who's a proven Premier League uh, number one. We also, and this is the thing, you know, people will go, oh yeah, but you know, they only cancelled the contracts. But that was their only choice. And this isn't the executive structure who gave, A, gave the contracts, B, let the contracts run down, or C, allowed the players to get to this position. This is the executive. We, this is, we are getting, a, to, for context as well, I read on Sky Sports, I think, that we are due a small f- fee from Schalke. Exactly. And for, I think, I so, think there's, there's a small fee for, uh, you know, depending on who you read, what you believe, there's a small fee for Ozil, there might be a small fee for Mustafi, whatever. The point is, these players are either going to sit around and get 100 grand a week until June, or we can get them out and get a bit of money back. Also, so not having to pay what you know a couple of million in in wages so how can that not be viewed as anything but a success i don't really understand okay here's where we slightly differ in that you would give it an a minus i'd give it a solid b kind of like virgin on a b plus because if we were going to cancel contracts anyway and i said this um when we did uh, a podcast just before the window opened we should have cancelled them come January the 1st. We should have had that sorted, ready and done by then uh, because you could understand if we'd held on till Socrates, uh, to Socrates, to Mustafi, to Ozil and then got two, three million pound fees for each of them, it makes sense. to. And obviously we don't know if it's true that we're getting fees for Mustafi or Ozil or even how much that could be worth because that stuff's always kind of undisclosed. But if we were going to just go the route of cancelling contracts and having players moved on, move move players on, we should have had that done earlier. It shouldn't have taken so long to get Mustafi out. It shouldn't have okay, taken... Okay, but we got it done. Uh, yes, but... I, what does the time obviously difference we ha- make? I just... Uh, I don't know. Uh, it depends on squad registration and all of these things. I just think that there could have been a different outlook towards maybe signing left back cover come, you know, if we'd got this done on January the 5th and we'd gotten Socrates out, we'd gotten Ozil out, we'd gotten um, Mustafi out, you know, and then we're starting to look at the rest of the squad on who we want to loan out and who we want to, I just think it gives us more time to actually manoeuvre, which is why I think that I don't. I think it is a very, very, very positive things thing that we've done this moving forward, but I don't think we we did it in a in in the most ideal or perfect time frame, which is the only criticism I have of the situation. Which is why for me it takes it from that kind of A minus to like a B B plus. It just takes that little shine off of it. But at the end of the day, it's done. We got them gone. So I'm very happy about that. But the one thing that, well, the one criticism I think you can levy at the situation is from the summer to now is 
uh, for, you know, I mean, the window actually ended in September. So you're talking about what? October, November, December. We had three months to kind of get this sorted so we could have it done on January the 1st. If that was going to be the plan, then that should have been the plan. And if it wasn't looking like we were going to get any offers in, come come December the 15th or December the 18th, we should have just gone, okay, um, we want to cancel all three of your contracts. Let's start. Let's get this done. We just want you gone. Uh, yeah. I, I do. I do. I do understand that, and I don't disagree. But I think we don't know what happened. Maybe those conversations were going on. I think probably they weren't. <laughs> but and I and I probably agree with you. But but, but the, we just don't know. We don't know. This is the thing. I, I I wouldn't downgrade it that much. I agree that maybe you know had we got those done earlier, we could be in a bit of a clearer position about whether we can get left back cover. All that, all those sorts of things. I just think you know what I said before, as well as the, you know, the idea that, you know, Maitland-Niles has gone out on loan, probably to the best option. I think Stanton, he would have been used as fullback cover. We're going to see whether he's good in central midfield at a club, whether it's, you know, you know, you can shine it, you can shine at a club, even if it gets relegated. Um, he wouldn't have played at Leicester. Um, and Joe Willock, I think that's a great move. Um, you know, Newcastle are, are Strangely, I watch quite a lot of Newcastle because my flatmate and they're, they're quite a good team uh, for for Joe. Danny Will- Boy, Joe Willett's go. Oh, I literally spoke about that last last podcast. Stop repeating myself. Um, but yeah, you know they, they're quite a good good team to go to. Got Saliba out, all those and sorts of things. I don't think they're going to get relegated. No, so so as, yeah, as in it, it gives them an op- it gives him an opportunity to kind. Yeah, of- the, the the reason I'd go A minus as opposed to an A plus would be just yeah, slight slight delay but we, again we don't know and also i would have appreciated left back cover but all things considered and i think also and the reason i bring up the kind of the culture of the football community is like there is a, like a trend almost to be like i'm never gonna just a- allow something to be good or you know something i always have to find a caveat yeah, i always all- i always have to find yeah. some kind of edgy spin on it and i'm like I get that, and I and I and I and I don't. I understand the arguments that people put forward, but if every single time the club does something positive, you're bringing out some kind of like caveat to it, I just go, well, this, at some point, I feel like you're looking for that. You're never going to be happy. Don't get me wrong. This is what I'm saying. Like, I'm. I think it's a good window. I'm happy with this window, and I think that though we maybe got it done a bit late, this window is the perfect springboard moving into the summer because we'll know more about Joe Willock and Ainsley Maitland-Nars' future because they will either flourish or fall at their respective clubs. We will... And I, I guess the one the one issue you could levy is that we didn't get Reese Nelson out on loan. Yeah, yeah, that's probably another especially thing. Especially with how kind of stocked we are on the wings. But this window is a massively solid springboard to move into the summer. And this, this, I mean, it comes back to the conversation we were having earlier about moving on Abamyang and kind of really going balls to the wall for like a world-class striker. It, it, we've got that springboard now. We've we've gotten something like 780 grand's worth of weekly wage off of the bill, even yep. though, you know... It's about just under 40 million a year. Kalazanek's alone. So at some point he'll come back. But if Schalke come up, I don't know... I, he might isn't, isn't for, his contract out? Pardon? Isn't his contract up at the end of the year? I no. Wrong. No, no, no. Okay. But he, as in he would come back, but I think I, I could be wrong. So please tweet me if I tweet us if I am so we can know. But I think that there's a clause that if Schalke stay up, it, it becomes permanent. So you're looking at the possibility of realistically, because I think this this move will get Joe Willock permanent move somewhere else. 
It probably looks like Maitland-Niles will also leave on a permanent at the end of the season. Unless we hear news within the next two to three months that he signed a new contract, he's gone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it will give us the opportunity to move forward in the summer in a really, really positive fashion. I just hope that we aren't burned as we usually seem to be uh, in summers gone by and we don't waste what is probably the best opportunity in... You know, since we tried to rebuild that Invincibles era to really get a rebuild going, because it's always felt like we're putting one piece in, one piece out, one piece in, one piece out. We've fucking sacked off all the deadwood. We've flushed the club. Let's pump it now. Let's get it going. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have much more to say on the window. I think it was a really good, um, overall really good window. I've got a, a thread on the different knock if you want to read more thoughts. But, you know, that's basically it. I think it was a good window. I just want to close out the show with a, a discussion that's kind of formulated in my brain just now. Permeating. Indeed. Um, Hector Bellerin on Arsenal getting too many red cards. 100%. We've shown when we're 11 against 11 on that pitch, it's completely different. We had complete control in the first half. And we probably should have been 2 up by the end of it. We paid for those mistakes. Equally, Granite Jack has posted something on Instagram, which he's deleted and put back. Something quite frustrated, like a picture of him waving at the referee. David Louise has also posted on Instagram saying unbelievable and a load of um, angry emojis. And I want to say this stat as well, just as a kind of springboard. Arsenal have received nine red cards since Mikel Arteta has been... Actually, I want to get this right. I want to absolutely ensure I get this right. I think it's nine red cards. Here we go. Red cards since Mikel Arteta was appointed. Yeah, nine Arsenal. And the closest is everyone else, basically, on three. Norwich, Fulham, Everton, Brighton, West Bromwich, Albion, Leicester, Man City, Palace and Sheffield United. I th- I, I offer two reasons for, 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 that, for that happening. And, um, and I'd love to hear your, your discussion on it. One is a bloated squad. It's frustrated players. It's players who know that they haven't got um, loads of opportunities. So they are making rash decisions as opposed to uh, thinking I've got to do something now. The likes of Xhaka to keep my place. The likes of Pepe. The likes of David Luiz. And secondly is the idea around Arsenal as a club. I think for a long time, Arsenal have been seen as this kind of soft, creative... Um, whimsical uh, club that you can dainty dainty club yeah good word that was so patronizing it's a good word uh dainty kind of club that we that we yeah that that, that people look at and go well if an arsenal player and it's like the reputation red card thing that we talked about earlier if an arsenal player puts you know like you know say for example i don't know harry Maguire puts in the challenge that david luis does this evening i wonder what the difference is or David Luiz in a, in, a, in a Man United shirt maybe is the more is the more prescient kind of um, uh, comparison. But I do think David Luiz also it is it is important. It, it could just as much be his rep- his, oh, f- f- <laughs> his reputation as kind of yeah. But but just 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 to ask Arsenal's. the question, what what do you think explains that? Because the players know it as well. There's like a. And that's a big, stark difference. Since Mikel Arteta was appointed, we have by six and by far the most red cards. I remember looking back, um, I was working, but I, I, I remember seeing the update for David Luiz's red card against Chelsea last year. 
and sort of going, yeah, okay, standard. There, there appears to be a bit of a kind of, this is just happening to us in the same way that United get penalties and Chelsea just sack their manager. Why are we the club that get the red cards? I think it could be one, like you say, because of perception of a, of a club in that we've always been quite a, we've, we've prided technicality over physicality for such a long time that when it came to a situation where we're now starting to put in physical challenges, it is seen as, oh, that's re- that's that's much, much worse than they usually do. Uh, it's also a question of, you know, some, some of the players are very rash. You know, if you're talking about Xhaka grabbing up and gra- like a, a Burnley player's throat for no reason and David Luiz... You you can feel sorry for him for for this one, but the Man City one and the Chelsea one were fucking stupid. So I think it kind of it is. I think it's a mixture of kind of all of the things that you've said. It's a mixture of players being frustrated, so making poor decisions. Certain players already being quite rash players in general, and then also the perception of the club. But I think that this conversation, and I don't want to come back on to uh, he who shall not be named, but no, fucking Craig Pawson, the wanker. Um, but I think that it, uh, this conversation does take responsibility away from the officiating. As in, as uh, some of it's been good, some of, like today, it's been extremely poor. So... And it, it it's like the, you know, the Gabrielle red card is from two very soft yellow cards. So a lot of these red cards are explained, unfortunately, by poor officiating. So I guess it is kind of a, 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 a mixture of all four of those issues. Um, and I mean, fuck knows how we solve it, other than obviously David Louise is leaving, but. Yeah, it's a really difficult thing to unpick. Um, I think you know the likes of Xhaka and David Luiz, the kind of the 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 the, the usual suspects moving on will help. Um, but also the kind of perception of Arsenal as not this kind of meek, mild little kid who you know if you make him if they make a mistake, you double down on your decisions. And you know, I, I also think sometimes people think of you know referees as a, as as a kind of more objective than they are these guys are real people who will have real biases who will um have been you know a lot of them who you know the usual suspects the you know the the clattenbergs the deans the porsons who've been around a long time and they will have seen lots of things and read all the media around arsenal and you know we can't pretend that these guys live in live in vacuums so yeah, it's it, it's going to take a while. I think Arteta's talked about it, like the perception of Arsenal as well. It's going to take a while, but I think it's a, it's a symptom of that and it's concerning and it's annoying, but it is something we have to deal with. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because I'm just, I'm just trying to find now, I'm on who scored to find the statistics for fouls to see who out of the two teams committed more fouls. Well, because I but, wouldn't ask that it was them. Yeah. But also there was a, there was a a thing going around last year maybe and I, and this is absolute second third fourth hand information 
But this is there was something going round about like Arsenal being top of the disciplinary charts in terms of how bad we were. And it's like when I watch our team, we're not undisciplined. We're certainly not dis- undisciplined in terms of our structure. We're very good. Well, it's, it's but like, I don't watch us and think, you know, you watch that team tonight, cynical foul after cynical foul after cynical foul. And I feel like almost every team that we play, and this is very much me being like, oh, an Arsenal fan, and everything, and the world's against us. I appreciate that. But the it just does feel as though there's some kind of... We're judged more harshly. Yeah, a perception of Arsenal as... It's like the party yeah. cynical foul. The party cynical foul that gets him a yellow card. Yeah. You know? It's a cynical. It's a cynical foul, and it is a yellow. How many of those? But then the Xhaka one, I go, is it? So I don't know. Yeah, and it, exactly. But then, how many of those types of challenges? Like you saw, I think it was Ruben Neves, literally shoulder barge and body Cedric off the ball, which is pretty much the exact same challenge as Party. And I, d- I don't know if he got a yellow card for that. Actually, he might have. But I'm watching them make those challenges all the time. And just, they can make three or four of them before they get punished for it. And Party will make one challenge like that and get punished for it. It is a mixture of all the things that we've discussed. And, you know, hopefully over time it will change and it will even itself out. But for now, it is just incredibly frustrating. You know who I blame, Brad? Who? Chelsea. Fuck Chelsea. Willian, David Luiz. Buying the league, Chelsea. Got to find someone to blame. Never yeah. take any personal responsibility, Brad. Absolutely That's why I say not. if you've done something, if you've done something wrong, don't look at yourself and admit you've done it wrong. Just, just shirk, shirk it, shirk responsibility. Never take any. If you're the Premier League, don't take any responsibility. Uh, you're the FA. Nothing. <laughs> if you're the referees' association, you know, what is there? If they got like a, that, if they got like anybody. a. Um, they probably will, but they're just a bunch of nonces hiding behind keyboards, aren't they? Yeah. So. Um, final thing, just want to say a little little comment. Uh, I watched a video of Emma Hayes uh, talking about her being linked with the AFC Wimbledon job and the online abuse that she's got is ridiculous. This woman who has won three Women's Super League titles is being linked with a job at AFC Wimbledon. There's a whole discussion around women's football and the quality, which I'm not going to get into. But if you think someone who has managed players on an international level at w- on women's football couldn't manage a League One side, you've got something wrong with you. You're it. a fucking idiot. You're a fucking uh, idiot. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I get on the soapbox again, but it's ridiculous. This woman has managed at the top, top. It's like, it's like saying... Jose Mourinho couldn't do the job. Couldn't manage AFC Wimbledon women. It's like, it's not the, it, it's not the same as going on the pitch. You're managing a team tactically technically managing players it's it's just exactly. it's not the you're same not job talk, you're not talking you're not talking about you're not talking about physical advantages or disadvantages or, and hey there's a whole discussion or, around that or, and, but that's yeah, not there's the a point. massive discussion around that but that is not the point yeah. like yeah anyway it doesn't sorry. take any of that to be intelligent stop being a fucking greeb to know it to know something about football is not is genderless it's genderless anyway it annoyed me earlier so i thought i'd say it anyway we're done that game happened. Let's move on. Um, let's move on to Aston Villa. Uh, he's hoping and praying that Matt Ryan's hip makes a re- miraculous recovery. Oh, please. Um, please keep praying. And, and cle- please keep praying for Brad because he seems so warm that he just... Just clothes just come just off mid-pod. De- I derobed. Derobed. 
great great phrase uh okay brad all right uh it's been a pleasure right, thank you so much for listening everyone as per and uh, we will see you after the villa game all right bye-bye see you later Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>